0: I thought and thought this morning, we was reaching for the Lord about how to open the service, because opening is just as important as closing (laughs) or or preaching or, yeah, it's finding the mind of God in everything we do. We want the mind of God to be from the very beginning to the very end. We don't want to do anything out of time or out of step with what the Spirit wants. We don't want to be contrary. We want to be obedient, and I was reaching for him and reaching for him, and um, the only thing that that I could that I could even feel is uh, what I had studied last week uh, in Matthew 21, and I may only read the scripture and let Sister Kathy come on and and actually minister this morning or teach this morning. But Matthew 21, if you got your Bible and want to turn with me. Everybody knows the scripture in Matthew twenty one about the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But there was a couple of words that just stuck out in my mind as I was reading through it. Starting with verse one, it says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come out, come to Bethany, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. So they there was a great crowd following the Lord. And as they were coming into Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples ahead. And he said, saying unto them, Go into the village and say over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say anything unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And I love that. I love the fact that he said, You're just going to go into this little village. And you're going to see a a mule and her colt tied. Tied. Not plowing. Not working. Not eating. They're just tied. He has a remnant tied. Reserved. Amen. Why does he have that remnant? Why does he have that? Because he has need of us. (laughs) He has need of us. He has a reserve. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we think that because we're not real busy doing a thousand things for the Lord that He's just forgot about us or we're not exactly where we're supposed to be. But the Lord made sure that Colt was exactly where it was supposed to be because it was tied. It wasn't out running around doing what it wanted to do. It was tied and ready and waiting. Amen. Amen. Do some of us feel like sometimes we're just tied to a barn somewhere and and the world's going on and the church is going on and we're just tied. But God said, I have need of that one. So go get it for me. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of the ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Now we're getting a picture here of Jesus fixing to enter into Jerusalem. He don't want to just walk in. We've got this great big crowd following Him that's seen His miracles, has heard of His fame. We've got Jews, we've got Gentiles. He's, he's, you know, there's Romans everywhere. And here, here this crowd is. And here Jesus is walking. And He said, now run ahead and get this colt and bring it back to me. He's still walking. The Bible never said he stopped. So they gotta make time running ahead. And then, if you've ever led a donkey, it's not like leading a horse. They're stubborn. That's why they say stubborn as a mule. They don't want to lead that great. They don't want to take orders. <laughs> so you gotta pull them things along. And so all of this is going on. Yeah, some of us get has to get pulled along. Amen. But he still has need of us, even the stubborn ones, amen. And so there they come back to meet Jesus. And listen at what happens. So they brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. And they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches from the trees. And they strawed them in the way, strawed them in the road. Now, this is what I wanted to get out of this, wanted to hope that you could get out of this, is the fact that these Romans were standing all around. They were keeping guard over the city. Their job in that day was to keep peace and safety. Mm -hmm. Because when the Romans came in, they wouldn't like Alexander. Alexander, when he came in, he insisted that everybody learn the Greek language. Everybody had to act like a Greek. Everybody had to do exactly what he did. He wanted to conquer the world and wanted everybody to look and act just like him. Well, the Romans came in and they said, "You know what? Serve your gods. We don't care. Just pay us taxes, and we'll keep you safe." When over here, he said, conquered this and says, "Serve your gods. Just pay us taxes, and we'll keep you safe." The Romans came in. They didn't care, but they didn't want no riots. They didn't want nothing to upset the the government going on in Rome. So they stationed Roman soldiers all through the city to make sure that a Jew didn't start a protest. <laughs> That a Jew didn't start a riot. Amen. They were to keep peace and safety. So I see these Romans who knew nothing about Christianity, knew nothing about Judaism, knew nothing about who Jesus was or why He was there. I see them standing there in their polished armor watching these poor folk come through. And then here comes this parade. This parade. And they hear uh, from the distance the chants of, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna, that means save us. Save us. Save us. So I, I see them beginning to start straighten up, saying, okay, what's going on? What's going on? They look at the synagogue, they see the temple. And the Pharisees are in there doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there was no upsetness going on at the church. Because the church was asleep at that time. What was supposed to be the church? They were asleep. They didn't know. They didn't even realize that the one they were praying for was fixing the march right past them. But here's these poor folk <laughs> that had been in the gutters and the, and the alleyways and, and, and they'd been laying on the side of the road, Brother Donald, blind, calling out, Jesus, thou son of David, I heard you could do something for me. And he said, What do you need? He said, Heal me, Lord. He said, I will. And another that laid by the pool of Bethesda, crippled for 38 years. And the Lord walks by and says, Would thou be made whole? And He said, I believe I will. Amen. These were some people that had seen the miracles, had felt the power of God, had witnessed it firsthand. They weren't just in a temple praying for Messiah to come. They were actually out in the field laboring, Amen. And here they come, and these Roman soldiers, they look at the temple, and the Pharisees are in the temple. It wasn't coming from the temple. And they're like, well, where is this coming from? So they straighten up, and they got their spear and their staff and their sword, and they're ready, you know. And then here comes this procession. And these poor folk is just taking their tattered garments. I can see them taking their tattered garments and throwing them on the ground. And others who didn't have much that they could actually throw, they were cutting the palm leaves, the palm branches off the trees, and laying it in the road, crying, Hosanna, save us, King David, King, King, save us. Hosanna, Hosanna. And he looks to see, who is this that's coming to save, coming to deliver, coming to help? Will he be stronger than Rome? And then he sees a bunch of poor folk. Well, I don't see no wealth involved. In order to have an army, you got to have some money. Amen. you got to feed them folk. you got to clothe them folk. you got to put armor on them folk. you got to have time to train them folk. But here was just a bunch of common people throwing what they had on the ground. And what they didn't have, they would cut palm branches, not even knowing that the palm leaves represented victory. And I could see the Romans saying, victory. Victory. What are they they victorious over? Hosanna. Like He has saved us. This is nothing more than a parade. See, the Romans, they had a parade too. It was called the Roman Triumph. That was their parade. And whenever the Romans would go out and conquer, what they would do is they would take the general or the one in command of the opposite side, their enemy, and they would tie him to the back of the chariot. And then they would lead him down a path through the middle of town. And everybody would scream and shout and holler as the victor rode in his beautiful chariot with the enemy tied behind him, parading him. It was called a Roman triumph. And what they realized, they looked and all they could see was a donkey. And they see, they saw tattered clothes. And they saw their, their champion that they was crying, Hosanna. He was nothing more than an unemployed carpenter. He didn't look like much, Brother Donald. But they were making a big noise for this champion. And I can see them saying, my goodness. What do they have to be so joyful over? What, what do they... But they didn't know, hallelujah, that he wasn't just riding to Jerusalem. He was riding to Calvary, <laughs> Amen. And they didn't understand that behind him it might have been just a donkey and not a golden chariot, but the devil and all his angels was tied, <laughs> Amen. See, we was talking about the kingdom. We're kingdom minded here, and kingdom people don't just look at the natural, Amen. We look at the spiritual, and we look and see what Jesus has prophesied, what He has, what's been prophesied about Him in the Old Testament, Amen, and. In our New Testament now. And then we look to the future to see it to come to pass. Amen. We're not looking at things as they are. Hallelujah. But we're calling them. Hallelujah. As they should be. Believing. That it's going to be. Listen, it gets better. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? We were talking Thursday night, that word moved. In the Greek, it means seismo, like a seismograph, like an earthquake. It measures earthquakes. Amen. The people was shaken. (laughs) <laughs> that's what the word "moved" means. They wouldn't just emotionally moved, like I am so mad that they are upsetting my prayer, or I am so upset that they're throwing their clothes in the street. Now I'm gonna have to go pick that stuff up. That's that's emotion. That's getting angry. That's getting worked up in your flesh. That wasn't what this word means. This word means they were shaken. They were moved like an earthquake had happened. Have you ever had something shake you and move you, and it unsettled you? What happened here was unsettling glory to God. Like a a quick representation, I guess, would be uh, I was coming home from work, or I was actually going to work, sorry. I was going to work, and I was minding my own business, and I was driving along, and the speed limit was 65, so I was probably doing 70 at least and I was going down a hill right there at that, I think it's 382 connector, and uh, I was going down that hill, and I saw this car fixing the pull. you know, but it's two lanes, and I'm over here in the very farthest lane from this car, and this lane here ain't nothing because I look, when I see them come out, I'm a defensive driver. I look all around. That's right. Yes, I did. I saw them fixing the pull out, so I look in my rearview mirror and my side mirror, and there ain't nothing on the road but just me, ain't Pat? Just me. And there's two lanes. I'm minding my own business boogying down the road doing about 70. And I see them pull over to the median. I don't even hit my brake because, like I said, I check my mirrors and there's nothing. I figure they'll pull out in that, that free lane. You know, that free lane. <laughs> no. Grandma didn't even know I was there. I reckon my vehicle blended in with the pavement because about the time I got as close as from here to Brother Philip, she comes out and just keeps on going past that free lane and just parks in my lane. And when I say parks, she wasn't doing 15. Just, And here I am, and there was a car behind her pulling out too. I saw both of them. Here I am. I hit my brakes. But something's moving inside me at this point. <laughs> something's moving. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't just a little emotion. I wasn't angry and upset at ground. I was trying to stay alive. Trying to stay alive. Something was literally moving. I mean, I was working every hand, every foot. I was hitting gas brakes and I started to swerve, and then this car comes out into the free lane. Now I got nowhere to go. <sighs> yes, I'm telling you. So there's just a little gap. So I got off the brakes and hit the gas and sped around her, and she didn't even know I was no, she didn't hear the brakes squealing. She didn't hear me screaming, (laughs) which was probably louder than the brakes at that point in time. I'm pretty sure I was standing straight up. (sighs) Went around her, and she was just like this, totally oblivious. Went on past her. My heart just, and to this day, I'll still remember that little old lady and what she did. Something moved inside of me. It left an impression inside of me. Something moved when Jesus came to town. It wasn't the screams of Hosanna, Hosanna. It wasn't the palm branches representing victory, victory, victory. See, we stand and we fight not for victory, but from victory. We are already victorious in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Therefore, we don't need the Roman soldiers. We don't need their armor. We don't need their money. We don't need their weaponry. Hallelujah. Because our fight isn't with flesh and blood. It's with principalities and powers. Amen. Spiritual wickedness in high places. You know where those high places are? A lot of, ones, a lot of people believe the high place is the president's seat. Or the governor's seat. Or, or uh, the county official's seat. But that's not the high place I think that the Bible's talking about. That high place I think he's talking about is our mind. That's right. Because I want to tell you something. Regardless who wins the election this November, I still got a battle right here. My battle isn't with Donald Trump. My battle isn't with Hillary Clinton. My battle is with Susie. Somebody point at yourself and say, this is where my battle is. This is where my battle is. And when we start taking responsibility for ourselves and our actions, we realize, hallelujah, that we're missing the kingdom fighting out here. Fighting out here. Amen. Trying to to protest and fight out here. When we got to have control of this right here. I like, I heard, a, I heard, you know, I say her name, her name's Joyce Meyer. I heard her say something one time and that I really stuck with me and I liked. She said, we want power over devils and principalities. And said, we don't even have power over a piece of cake. Come on, is that right? We want power over demons. But yet we can't discipline ourselves to fast for 24 hours. Oh... I didn't go over well. (laughs) But it's the truth. It's the truth. The little boy that was epileptic that had those uh, fits come upon him, the disciples prayed and prayed, and I imagine they bathed him in oil, laid hands on him, shook him, spoke in tongues over him. They ain't no telling what they did. They tried and tried. That devil wouldn't budge. Jesus came off the mountain after being in prayer. Come on, somebody, and say prayer. After being in prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody, say fasting because it's in there. It's still in there. It's still relevant. Amen. And he, the daddy came to him and said, We've, you're, we took him to your disciples and your disciples couldn't do nothing. Jesus just spoke to that wicked spirit and it came out of the boy. And the disciples came up to him and said, why couldn't we do that? He said, because this kind goeth out only. But by what? Prayer and fasting prayer and fasting but yet we live such undisciplined lives and then gripe because we don't have power with God what does the Bible say seek me and my kingdom first seek God in his kingdom and then all this other stuff that's so needful will come to us amen but we got to seek him for who he is amen instead of what he can give us All of that comes next. What if the Lord decides to call you into poverty? Well, wait a minute. Them televangelists said that I was called into riches. Where is that in the Bible? Jesus left riches. He left everything in heaven. Divested himself. That means he took off his royal diadem and stepped down into a manger In lowly flesh. That's a big culture shock. That's a big dollar change. (laughs) From all of heaven to a stable. Amen? Because there was no room for Him. And then... It kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, Sister Kathy, how that here for the last, I don't know, at least 15 years, all you hear is, if you live for God, you're going to be mega rich. If you live for God, you're going to have a Rolls Royce. If you live for God, you're going to have the best. Sometimes he, He teaches us the worst. Sometimes He'll tell you to go to a mission field. Come on. Sometimes He'll tell you to go to Chicago, to the inner city. Come on. We don't even have to go to Chicago. Sometimes he might send some of us to Atlanta. I'm afraid to drive through Atlanta, let alone go down there and try to minister. I'm just serious. I'm just serious. You know, a lot of folks, though, would be afraid to come up to these crazy redneck uh, mountains of Elegy, too. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. It's different cultures, amen. But God's got to have somebody who will evangelize. And we've got to get off our high horse thinking that we're so good we can't do that. Because if we're going to be used of God, He'll send us places that ain't comfortable for our flesh. That's exactly right. right. And these Roman soldiers, I can see them standing there. Can't y'all? I mean, does that paint a picture in your mind? See them standing there hearing a sound, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then they look, and here comes this lowly crowd. But they were looking with their natural eyes. And we've got to get off the natural man we got to quit looking with the natural eye. And we got to start reaching for a kingdom that's unseen with a natural eye. The Bible says we have a spiritual eye and a spiritual ear. we got to start using that. we got to start disciplining ourselves to know how to use that. Amen. To be able to see what's coming our way whenever we hear the, the sound in the distance. Have you all ever heard the sound of the angels in the distance? One time I was down praying... And I'd just come in from a, a tent meeting, and everybody was asleep. So I just got down in the living room so I didn't wake nobody up. And I was praying, 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 and I could hear the scurry, and I could hear the angels behind me. And I thought for a second, you know, just in my carnal, man, I thought if I turn around really slow, <laughs> like you can sneak up on them, I guess. If I turn around really slow, I'm going to see one. And I turned around, and there was nothing. But you know what I did? I didn't get discouraged. I just pointed my finger and I said, I can't see you, but I know you're there. <laughs> Hello. Can't see you, but I know you're there. Hello. And then I turned right back around and went to praying again. See, you can hear it in the distance. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. And then sometimes he'll open our eyes to see. And I've seen things the Lord has allowed me to see in the Spirit. You can see for a thousand miles. and It's just wonderful. Hallelujah. And this morning I'm looking for the very same thing. I'm looking for us to holler, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. My spirit man is leaping this morning because I know that the Lord is on His way. Is that right? I believe that His triumph chariot is rolling by East Elijah this morning. I really do. I believe the Word of God is going to be so uplifting and so stirring that it's going to seismo inside of me. That it's going to move something, Sister Deborah, inside of me. Amen. That where I'm never the same ever again. That I'll remember this service forever. Glory to God. I'm believing that. And I'm excited for it this morning. I'm going to let Sister Kathy come on and and bring out Brother Meador when he gets ready. She's been teaching on Thursday evenings, and I, uh, I went this past Thursday, and I think me and Brother Med are kind of hogged it all. <laughs> and so this will be her a good opportunity to go ahead and just deliver what she has. I get to talking about the Spirit of God, and I become quite a hog over the Word.
1: I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I was praying this morning. This ain't got nothing to do with Thursday. Hallelujah. I'm on Sunday. Hallelujah. I was praying this morning back there, and I was calling out for the body of Christ. And seems like, I don't know if it's just because I was tired from the yard sale yesterday or if it was just the way it is, but I, I could sense the weakness the lack of strength in the body of Christ. And I begin to pray and intercede and ask God, God, please, just strengthen your people, God. Pour down in them, God, a supernatural strength, God, that they can stand, not necessarily in the natural, but in the spirit. Hallelujah. And I was meditating on that and thinking about that. And I could hear the Lord say, No weapon formed against you can prosper. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And I don't care what they say about you. They can't judge you. Hallelujah. Because you can condemn that judgment. That's our heritage. Hallelujah. That's who we are in Christ. Amen. That's part of what He purchased for us. Is that right? Amen. To condemn that judgment. Amen. No weapon formed against us can prosper. And then I thought about the three Hebrew boys, the three Hebrew men, hallelujah, that they were going to throw, oh, Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them in the furnace, tied them up. (laughs) They were tied up. Susie, do you know that? The word says they were tied up, hallelujah, in Daniel chapter 3. Verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Hallelujah. They were bound in everything that they had in the natural. They were bound up and cast into that fire. Have you ever felt like you had been thrown right in the midst of a fire? That perhaps had been heated. (laughs) Seven times hotter. Hallelujah. So hot that it killed the ones throwing them in. That's what the Word says. We all know the story. Hallelujah. But you know what? Those three boys, they were looking with a spiritual eye, Sister Susie. Because before they went in, they said... If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, even if we don't get out of this natural situation... We're not giving you our spirit too. We're going to stand on what we know is true and what we know to be fact and be real in the spirit. Amen. We're going to stand for our God and it doesn't matter what this natural situation does to us. It doesn't matter how hot you make that furnace. It just don't matter. Because He's God. And that's who we serve. And we will not bow to you, O King. We won 't do it, and I know, the word doesn 't say, but I just know it, Sister Susie, I just know it inside of me. And then when they went into that fire, they could see beyond the flames oh, <laughs> because there was another man in the fire. He must have been there waiting for him to get there. Hallelujah. Because he appeared even as they were thrown in. Old Nebuchadnezzar could see him from up above. I believe that those three boys, I believe they look past the flames. If we can train ourselves to look past the flames. Amen. To look past the natural situations. To look past what this one's doing and that one's saying hallelujah and how bad my body feels. Glory to God and seeing the, the spirit that fourth man in the fire with me hallelujah more than able to deliver me more than able to give me strength more than able to secure me for whatever it is he sent me to do Am I too loud? It seems loud to me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful ain't bad. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. Hallelujah. In the fire of cancer, in the fire of tumors, there's a fourth man. Hallelujah. And he's walking around in the midst of chemo, Sister Susie. He's walking around. Hallelujah. And he's got you. Hallelujah. His strong right arm is more than able, hallelujah, to secure you. My God, what a promise we have. You want to know what's wrong with us? Hallelujah. We don't look in the spirit. We look in the natural when these things come at us. Amen. Hallelujah. We look at what's going on. We look at the fact that the bank account says $5 and the mortgage bill is 700 And that's what we see. Instead of looking past that, hallelujah, to the fourth man. Hallelujah. Who said, I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who said, you will not go lacking for I've never seen a seed out begging for bread. Hallelujah. But he supplied them Every need, my God, if we ever change our thinking, hallelujah, and get out of the natural and get into the spirit and what God had to say, then some of these things are going to seem like little tiny anthills, and we're just going to step right on top of them and keep right on walking, hallelujah. I don't know where this is all coming. I do know where it's coming from, but it wasn't in there before I got to church this morning. I'm just saying, hallelujah. It was laying dormant, I guess, but I am thankful this morning. It was tied up waiting. Hallelujah. I am thankful this morning, ain't Pat? Hallelujah. The scripture that Sister Susie brought out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, let me just ask you, not looking for an answer, you can answer to yourself. What is it you're seeking? Are you seeking enough money in the bank account to pay the mortgage? Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you seeking enough money, hallelujah, to to take care of that situation or the other situation? Are you seeking for somebody else that you're in some form of relationship with to change rather than looking to God to change you in the situation? I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if we'll stop seeking those things and we'll just seek Him and His righteousness. Create in me, God, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me, God. Don't let me have a wrong spirit, an old nasty spirit, a bad spirit, a jealous spirit, God, a stubborn spirit, an unteachable spirit, God. Purge me of these things, O God, that I can seek You, that I can lift up holy hands, God. And worship you. All the other things will be added. They'll come. (laughs) They will come. Somebody liable to call you into the office one day. And say, well brother... How much money you need to pay off that bill. Don't, don't just go make a payment. Here, let me write you a check. And you can just go pay that bill off in full. Get that get that noose that around, out from around your neck. Hallelujah. And go free. Hallelujah. Might not even know that that's God using him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might get a phone call, Sister Deborah, that says, I need you to come into the office. Don't you hate those phone calls? They won't tell you what's going on. I need you to come for a face-to-face with me. Ooh. Oh, God. Next thing you do is pick up the phone and call everybody. Look, be praying, be praying, be praying. Because something's done moved you all right. It's called anxiety. Hallelujah. My God. And then you get there and they say, here you go. Here's the title to your car. Here's a paid in full receipt. We want you to know we appreciate your business. No more bill. It's paid. It's done. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh my God. Those things move me. (laughs) Hallelujah. That says that all those other things are being added unto you. Hallelujah. Because you must be what? Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Help us, God, to get a mindset An attitude change. I ask the Lord every day, God, change my attitude. Help me, God. This flesh, sometimes it just rages out of control. I think it was this morning even, or it may have been yesterday, I don't know. But some thoughts come to my mind, and I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, God. I didn't want to think that. That was my nasty flesh, God, and it's worthless and stinky. And forgive me, but that's not how my spirit feels, God. That's not what I believe in my spirit, God. We got to learn to cast these things down. We got to learn to stand up and take authority over them. That's part of seeking Him, Hallelujah. Seeking to be like Him, Pastor calls it seeking His identity, Hallelujah. It's not enough just to know the name Jesus. It's not enough to know, hallelujah, that He came to earth and He left all of those riches and lowered Himself to come down, hallelujah, and walk like a man like you and me, hallelujah, and face the natural things and give up everything and in the end be scorned and rejected and hang down on a cross by man's eyes and thoughts humiliated, hallelujah. It's not enough just to know that stuff, but you got to seek His identity. Hallelujah. you got to want to be like Him. you got to take on the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. you got to work for it. And I don't mean your works will get you there. I'm talking about putting forth effort. Hallelujah. Neology. <laughs> on your knees, seeking His face. In the Word. Learning about his identity. How can you be like somebody you don't know what they're like? Amen. you got to read it and know what he's like. I could stand up here and I could, if you didn't know anything about Jesus and if you didn't ever read your Bible and I could spin you a yarn or oh, I could tell you all about him, anything I wanted to. And if you take my word for it and go out, you might believe a lie. You better know for yourself who He is. (laughs) Read the Word for yourself. Seek Him yourself. Amen. My goodness, I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful that my mama made me go to church when I was a little girl. (laughs) Hallelujah. Not that I grabbed hold of too much church doctrine in my lifetime, but it gave me an awareness of something higher than me. Something bigger than me. Something Aunt Pat that I could look to. When I have anywhere else to look to. Amen. Hallelujah. It gave me a focus. Uh, hallelujah. I'm thankful, Brother Donald. For that upbringing. And I'm thankful that God didn't say that was enough. It cut me off. But it brought me into a word. That has changed my life. That is changing my life, something I can live by. If I have to, something I can die by. Amen. Hallelujah. I am thank you, thankful this morning, and I thank God for His faithfulness, for His completeness. Hallelujah. Where is He this morning? Is he riding down the streets in Jerusalem on a donkey? No. (laughs) Nope, that that's done. Hallelujah. But I can tell you he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. (laughs) Hallelujah. He is the Lord God mighty and strong. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah. Hallelujah. He is in control. But he'll not step over your will. He won't do it, even though he can. He's powerful enough. He could. But he'll never step over your will. Hallelujah. We have to give it to him this morning. Our will, ourselves, our being. Take me, O Lord, and make me a vessel, God, that you can be pleased with. I'm thankful this morning. Hallelujah. My God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, <laughs> walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like... The Son of God. Would one of you please tell me how Nebuchadnezzar knew what the form of the Son of God was like? How did he know that? I haven't studied it out. It's not a scripture I've read lately to share with you. But how did he know that, Susie? Susie. Was it revealed to him by the Spirit maybe? See God can God can take an ungodly person and has many times and used them for his purpose. Hallelujah. He knew it was something different. Something bigger than he was. Something more powerful than that seven times hotter furnace, amen. He knew. He might not have known the depth of it or what it meant to him personally, but he knew. Hallelujah. And he could see enough to know that it had loosed these men and they were not hurt, but they were up walking around with him. Hallelujah. I'm thankful this morning that that's the God I serve. The one that will be there in the midst of that fire. The one that won't just send me in on my own. Hallelujah. But he'll go in ahead of me and he'll be there waiting. When I get untied and loosed from whatever it is that's holding me. Hallelujah. He's going to be right there with me to take me through. Amen. To use me however he chooses to use me to perform whatever he chooses to perform. What if those three fellows had just decided not to, to stand on their faith and had given in to what was going on in the natural? Can't you hear some folk today saying, Wait a minute now. I know it's not God's will for me, Sister Lisa, to have to burn in a fiery furnace. So, um, I, I can't go in there. I'm just going to have to do what I got to do to stay out of there. Bless God. And then he'll show me later what it is he was trying to work on me. Amen. You ever heard a comment like that? A situation like that? So, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, King. Oh, King. Yeah. Yeah. We, we realize we got it. We know you're powerful. And the fourth man would have just been there. And they wouldn't have been where he was. Oh my. Have you ever thought about that? When we try to avoid our situations and our circumstances and we run. If I live to be a thousand years old, I will never forget when they started changing my job at Anthem. And they told me I had to be a case manager. And I did not want to do that job. I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. And I told Pastor, pray for me. I told Sister Lisa, pray Anybody, any of my church family, pray for me. Pray that God will intervene. And every time I'd pray, I'd hear that sweet, small voice. You know what he said, Aunt Pat? He said... Stay the course. What? It's not what I want to do. I don't want to be on that course. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. But I stayed the course telling myself at the ninth hour God was going to change it. He was going to move it. He was going to change it. Didn't happen. Started training as a case manager. God, you know I don't want to do this. God, this is not what I want to do. God, I, I can't keep up with their standards, their their productivity demands, the, all the issues and, and things that go along. Oh, I, I can't do it, God. I can't do it. Stay the course. Really? Really? It's funny, sometimes I have to Figure things out and work it out to see if I'm really hearing God. But in that situation, I had no doubt. I knew I was hearing God. And I didn't want to hear that, but I knew it was God's voice. I didn't have to question. I didn't have to work it out. Sister Lisa, I knew that was God. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. So I did. I did. He's met every metric. He's met every requirement. He has exalted himself. And when my my manager compliments me or gives me praise, I say, you know God did this. You know I did not want to be here doing this. I remind her every time, Sister Deborah. God did this. We've got to learn to not run from opposition and situations and fiery furnaces. But we've got to go in with an attitude that the fourth man is more than able, hallelujah, to handle the situation in us and through us. Doesn't mean he's going to take us out of it, but he will manage it in us and through us. He will. He will. It might take longer for you in one situation than it did in another. But time is his. It's not ours anyway. With him a thousand years is as a day. You think he's moving so slow and it's just a day for him. Hallelujah. My God. I don't know what else to say. My heart's just full this morning. I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy. So thankful for his keeping power. So thankful that He loves me regardless, Brother Donald. Regardless of my faults. The times I fall short. Or the times I just completely miss it. <laughs> he still loves me. And His grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. And for you. Hallelujah. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I got nothing else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't believe anything that's been said is by happenstance. I believe that God's preparing us and He's training us. And it's up to us to practice our training, right? I mean, you can come into a church service and you can sit there and the Lord can minister a word to you. But if you go out and don't practice that word, then what good has it done you? We are responsible for what he gives us and tells us. We're responsible. So as we move forward this week... And we leave this building and we face fiery situations and difficult times. We've got to remember the word here. We've got to remember him riding in triumphantly with the poorest of the poor. Which should remind us that it doesn't matter what station we're at in life. That doesn't matter. He's still here for us. We got to remember that he's already in the fire waiting for us to pull us out, pull us through, to be victorious, to to loose those ties so that we can go free in whatever it is he has designed for us to do. To stay the course. Don't throw in your towel. Don't pull yourself out of the game. (laughs) Don't sit yourself on the sideline. (laughs) Hallelujah. But stay the course. Amen. Hallelujah. I encourage you this morning to remember as we go forward this week, take this word and practice it in your life. That's the only way you become fluent in using your armor, your tools, whatever, is to be practiced in it. Amen. That's why the military folk go to basic training and they have six or eight weeks of training. It's not a matter of going in and in an hour or two hours being told how to use each piece of equipment and then going out to the war. (laughs) They're trained and we're in training. Amen. Pastor, are you ready? Would you make our pastor welcome? Amen.
2: you Lord did anybody too loud go ahead and cut that off for me yeah did anybody go back and listen to the prophecy from last week nobody I think I listened to it about ten times because the way God spoke was so different and the anointing was unusual but the very first thing God said in that prophecy was today he said I'm changing the course of man in the earth now that's big that may not be big to you that's big to me and I was in prayer the other night and studying and the Spirit of the Lord began to speak in my spirit he said I brought my people to a season of change God's fixing to change things for those of us who believe. I believe, but I don't only believe, I'm going to possess. I'm going to possess what God's saying. That's good if you believe what God's saying, but are you going to possess it? There's something in me going to possess what God's doing. Not only do I believe it, I see it, I understand it. And I'm going to get a hold of him. Because the Lord told us in. I believe it's 1 Peter. He said an entrance into the everlasting kingdom of God. Shall be ministered unto you abundantly. And then he went right on and said. Therefore. Make your calling and an election sure. I believe I got that right. But man God has been talking to me this week. I got enough word if the Lord let me preach it to preach for three weeks if not more and if I really stop and start breaking it down I could probably take any one of these messages and probably preach for a month on it just take my time and break it down my problem is I get too excited about what God's doing and I'm ready to move on to the next page See if I can find that. It's in Second Peter one and eleven. It says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. It's up above it. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling an election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. And then he said, so shall an entrance be ministered unto you. It's one thing to understand the kingdom. It's another to know how to get in it. They ain't gonna do you no good to understand it if you don't know how to get in it. It'd be good we come here to have church, but we don't have a door to get in the building. There's an entrance got to be ministered into this kingdom, into this total dominion and authority of the Christ living in man. There's an entrance got to be ministered. We got to know how to possess it. I'm not in this. Y'all may be in this go to heaven. I'm not in this go to heaven. I'm in this to possess the kingdom of heaven. I'm in this to possess Christ living right here on this earth. To make me a king and priest in him. That I can go across this earth. In the power and authority of the Christ setting people free. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm ready to hurt the devil. Anybody ready to hurt the devil? Anybody ready to hurt the devil? Man, every time I get in prayer, we come here and pray, and I get in prayer here. Lord, take me back, and I can see that car going down that road and get right in front of the church and stopping, and that man looking out that window and pointing. Said them people there said they believe in a real God. They're that God's real. I can see that, Sister Pat. I can see him driving up the road and stopping. Just what the Lord showed me that day. I was on my knees. I can see it happening. Every time I get in prayer right here, start crying out for God to bring this body into unity and reveal himself and take us into that realm of the spirit. I can just see it in the spirit. That person just saying, that, that, that God, them people, believe that God's real. They got a real God. God, that God works miracles. That God brings deliverance. That God saves. That God heals. That God delivers. Where do you have this kind of testimony? Most people got a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Oh, we got a good outward manifestation. (laughs) We can talk a good talk. But can you walk a good walk? I went to Sheffield, Alabama in 94, I believe it was. And old boy come under my tent bound on drugs and God set him free and then he was in and out of drugs and prison for gosh I don't even know where he is today I still did in touch with his mama but God set him free in that tent meeting he come up to me was taking that tent down and he said brother Matt I'm going to tell you something He said, you're the only preacher that I've ever met. He said, you not only talk the talk. He said, but brother, you walk the walk. He said, you have inspired my life. It wasn't about six months till he called me up. He said, if I rent an auditorium over here, he said, will you come back and preach? I said, yes, sir. And he did. He rented a big high school gymnasium over there for about three nights. And I went back and preached the revival. He paid every bill. And he stood up and told the people, He said, there's something in this man. There's something different. He said, I've been in church all my life. I've been around preachers all my life. He said, I've never had the Spirit of God impact me like it has from what God's put in this man. That prophecy God spoke, if you'll get a hold of this and listen to it and let it begin to get in your spirit, something will take hold of you. Because God said He's changing things. Now, it's good to talk about change, but if you want something changed, you better fight for it. You better fight for a change. I'm fighting for a change and I'm gonna get one. If I got to get y'all by the hair of the head and drag you, y'all come in with me. Because <laughs> I'm gonna pull you into this kingdom. I might have to do it, y'all kicking and screaming every step of the way, Sister Deborah. but I'm going to pull you into this kingdom because i got to have some help. I can't do this by myself. I ain't going to try to do it by myself. But man, I got so stirred up about that prophecy. I was calling people and telling them and I was uh, getting CDs in the mail and sending it to them. I said, get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. I said, man, God spoke. There's something changing. God said, this day, the course of man changes in the earth. And I'm bringing forth a new and a different anointing. The Lord told me last week, Sister Pat, the anointing we've been ministering under, it's should pass away. It's pass away. There ain't going to be no more. We fix go into something new. We should go into something new. That Sister Kathy was talking about, about them Hebrew children, we don't have that. We ain't never seen that, have we? We've never seen the God of that Old Testament. We ain't seen the God of the New Testament. So what we've been ministering under ain't getting the job done. So we need something new. Oh, man, y'all just looking at me. But man, you know what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm telling you what's happening right now in the church is fixing to be over and done with because it ain't getting the job done. y'all can keep shooting at the devil with a BB gun if you want to but he sticks his nose up at me and I'm gonna back the hammer on 357 Magnum I said you think that BB gun popped you with a sting I said you wait this 357 Magnum hit you (laughs) BB gun might sting you and make you holler ouch 357 Magnum you say rest in peace (laughs) Arrest in peace is. Right, says Susie. 357 Magnum put a put a whooping on you. That'd be big gun. I had one one time. Uh, uh, a guy that was a drug dealer got saved in my tent meeting and he brought me a 45 autom- semi-automatic and 357 Red Hawk. He said that the same gun Clint Eastwood used in Dirty Harry movies. And I had that thing for a long time, and I sold it and put the money in the ministry. He brought it to me and gave it to me. And got saved. God turned his life around. I'm ready to see some results. I'm ready to see some results. Anybody with me? I'm ready to see some results. I'm ready to look right straight to the devil and back the hammer on that thing and say, go ahead, punk, make my day. (laughs) Just make my day, devil. Just go ahead, I dare you. Make my day. How many shots you think's left in my gun, devil? Did I get off four? Did I get off five? Did I shoot six times? (laughs) Try me and see. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, there's something moving in my spirit. Because I'm excited about what God is putting in my spirit. And what Sister Kathy's talking about, we fix to possess. We ain't going to possess it how we are right now. We ain't going to possess it how we are right now. Y'all going to think I'm crazy, but the Lord spoke to me the other night. And he said the natural man is a spirit. Y'all know that? He's your soul. Your soul is your carnal man. That means your spirit. You can't kill a spirit man with natural works. There's got to be an act of God. Oh, did I get y'all's attention? (laughs) See, we don't look at ourselves. This is just physical body. What keeps you alive is your soul. And that's your carnal man. And if you don't restrain your carnal man or govern him or discipline him, he's going to do them works of the flesh in Galatians 5.19. He's going to do every one of them. And you can't, you can't get him to be spiritual because the Bible says the carnal man is not subject to the laws of God. Neither indeed can he be. He's not subject. See, y'all don't look is your soul as a spirit man. We just look at him as a carnal man. We talk about carnal man. We don't think of him being a spirit. He's spirit man. Your body dies. Your soul don't die. It does it. It's either going to go there or it's going to go down. <laughs> Amen. It's going one way or the other. So, we got to do something with the sorry rascal. We've got to get him governed back and got to get him in the place that God can work something in us. We need God to work something in us. Yes. Hallelujah. And I'm going to take you where the Lord took me. I got on my knees right here Tuesday night. Man, I wish y'all would get in this Tuesday night prayer. Man, you're talking about something moving. My God, there's something moving in Tuesday night prayer. Yes. Lord, have mercy. Every one of y'all can get here, get here Tuesday night because there's something moving. My God, there's something moving in prayer. And I got right here on my knees and I started crying out to God. And the Spirit of God got a hold of me. And some of y'all never prayed long enough for the Spirit to begin to pray out of you. And I ain't talking about tongues. Now you can pray and you can pray in tongues. But you can also pray till the Spirit of God takes you over. And what's rolling out of you in English is not you. It's the Spirit of God praying out of you. And you're telling God. Your spirit man's telling God what you have need of. And if the Lord don't want the devil to know something, he just let tongues slide in there. (laughs) Is anybody with me today? Man, I need to come around and shake (laughs) y'all. I was on my knees right there. And I was crying out to God. And I got in prayer and my spirit started praying. And I heard my spirit man say, Lord, my mind is still bound to the carnal man. My mind's still bound by carnality. And I thought, I man, I thought I'd got somewhere in the Spirit. I thought I'd reached some place in the Spirit. And, and my spirit began to pray say, God, I'm still bound by the carnal man. I said, you've got to do something to set my mind free. You've got to do something to liberate me. You've got to do something to break this carnality. Because to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You ain't walking in life and peace. You ain't walking in the comfort and the joy of the Holy Ghost. You ain't got a mind that can believe God like them three Hebrew children. We're still bound to the carnality. Yes. And I'm ready for God to do something. And I'm going worry. I'm going to be like that widow woman Luke 18. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not faint. And he said, there wasn't a city, an unjust judge, that believed not God, neither regarded man. But there was a little widow woman. And she come before that judge and she stood up and said, judge, avenge me, my adversary. He said, no, ma'am, case dismissed. She went right out, went back to the court clerk, said, put me on the first case after lunch. Judge went to lunch, she followed him down the street, said, judge. He said, woman, I do I done ruled. She waited on him to come out of that restaurant. He started back to court. She said, Judge! Woman, I done ruled. Leave me alone. Got down on the court bench. First case, Judge! (laughs) Woman, I done ruled. Went back and signed up for her first case next morning. Day after day after day after day after day, she continually came. She continually came. I can see that old judge sitting in his house one night saying, my God, this woman is driving me crazy. I fear not God. I don't regard man. But because this woman is worrying me to death, if she's in my courtroom in the morning, I'm going to reverse this thing so she'll leave me alone. By that time his maid come in says judge or somebody here to see you he said okay show him in judge avenge me lady be in my court in the morning and I am going to reverse your decision because you are driving me. Crazy, God said, "Hear what the unjust judge saith. When I come, shall I find faith on the earth? But know this: know my elect cry unto me day and night, and I, I hold on, I hold off." He said, "There's coming a time. I'm going to answer, and when I answer, it's going to be speedily. Speedily, God's going to move. Speedily, God's going to answer." Because I'm going to wear him. He's going to be sitting up there. And finally, he's going to look over at Gabriel. Get yourself down there on the earth. Go down there with that crazy preacher. Brother John Matter's at. Said, that man has prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and and believed. I said, no matter what I send his way, I can't shake him. I I can't move him. I can't discourage him. I I can't back him up. Go vindicate him. Hallelujah. Go be sure that prayer is answered. Whatever you got to do. (laughs) Whatever you got to do. All heaven and earth is at your disposal, Gabriel. Whatever you got to do, go answer them prayers. you all see what kind of God we serve. He said, I believe it's Ephesians. He said that I can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask. And I can do above more than you can think. Most people leave it right there. That ain't where the scripture ends. It says according to the working of, of his mighty power which worketh there in us. Yes. Oh, I believe God can do exceedingly abundant above more than we even ask or think, Brother matter Ain't where it stops. According to the working of his mighty power that worketh in us. See, something gotta work in you. God ain't just gonna answer prayer. Something gotta work in you. Something gotta move in you. Something got to cause you to petition God, to believe God, to seek God, to cry loud. You ain't just going to sit down on a stool and do nothing and God move for you. Is that Ephesians one or is it Ephesians two? Where is that? Ephesians 3. Is it three? 20. Okay? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly? abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. There's something working in me. Is there something working in you? Is there something working in you or are you just letting the devil walk all over you? Is there something working in you? There needs to be something working in you. That right there says we serve a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above. All we think or even ask. Anything you can ask, anything you can think, God said, "I can do it," and I can do exceedingly abundantly above that, according to the power that worked in you. <laughs> but you got to get it working. Got to get it moving. Got to get it shaking. Hallelujah! Are y'all with me today? My God, I'm so excited! I don't know which end of up. I've been I've been fired up all week. I got a chance to talk to my son yesterday because they came over to the funeral. But I called Lisa yesterday morning and told her what God spoke to me Friday night. Cause late Friday night, well, matter of fact, I got up at one thirty Saturday morning and stayed up to almost four o'clock, and I was ready to sleep. I can tell you, I'd ready to sleep. Something hit me in my physical body Friday afternoon, and. I mean, I felt bad. I felt weak. I felt miserable. And I laid down and slept a couple hours Friday. And I felt really bad because Brother Dolly Sister Pat and Sister Deborah and she was out there at that yard sale, Brother Justin. And I felt bad, but I couldn't stay on my feet, man. Something hit me and just took me down. And I wanted to rest. But about 1 30 Saturday morning. Lord started talking to me and I come up out of that bed and I went in there and I got on that laptop, buddy. I started rolling out scriptures and typing and God started talking to me. Hallelujah. And for three and a half hours, God talked to me Saturday morning and showed me some things. I'm getting ready to get in some things that I'm fixing to make some folks upset because the Lord told me everything we've been taught on self-denial, been taught wrong. Been taught wrong. That's what the Lord began to show me. them three hours, Saturday morning, he said, Amen. Preached right. He said, and he started showing me the word. And he said, This is the word. He said, But this is how man preached it. Man's messed us up. God's going to get us back on track. God's going to get us back on track. You hear me? God's going to get us back on track. Why? We have entered a season of change. I'm telling y'all, we've entered a season of change. Hallelujah. Is anybody going with me? Is anybody going with me? Oh, man, I feel something moving on the inside of me. I feel something shaking, stirring, moving, exciting. Hallelujah. And I'm fixing to go to Romans, the 12th chapter. I want you all to go with me. Sister, it's good to have you with us today. So glad to see her come in. She was with us, I think, in a couple of services. Sister Kathy's house. We started having meeting over there. And then I think she come to Fort Payne, and we're glad to have you with us. Hallelujah. But see, I know that God's down to business. You go back and listen to that prophecy. God said, I'm fixing to cut people off. Don't possess their calling. Go back and listen to it. He said, I ain't going to woo them no more. I ain't going to call them no more. I ain't going to draw them no more. God means business. He's putting an army together. And whatever, wherever God's placed you, I don't care if you're a foot soldier. I don't care if you're a Marine. I don't care if you're a Navy SEAL. I don't care if you're a Green Beret. I don't care if you're a Ranger. I don't care what you are. You better get in your place. You better find your place. You better make your calling. A calling's an invitation. The Lord's invited you, and He's got a place for you. You better better get that invitation. You better get there. You better try out. But if he's got an elect place for you, you better get in it. Because God put an army together. And when God puts that army together and he steps down to utter his voice before his camp, there ain't going to be no gaps. There ain't going to be no people missing. There ain't going to be no people that didn't answer their call because God will put somebody in your place. God fixing and put somebody in people's places. God's fixing to call people. It's going to hear his voice. Y'all better listen to what I'm telling you. God's been telling us for months now. Matter of fact, two or three years, says Kathy, how many times in Fort Payne did God tell us he's going to do a new thing? (laughs) How many times did God tell us we've never passed this way before? Time after time, month after month. I, yeah, for three or four years, God's told us. He said, I'm fixing to do a new thing. He said, when I do a new thing, I, he said, don't you look back on the former things. Don't you consider the former things. Don't you look back on the things of old. I, don't you go to back to your traditions. Don't you go back I, to the way you've worshipped. Don't you go back. I, he said, I'm doing a new thing. And God's spoke in that prophecy. I, he said, I've told you, and I've told you I'm doing new. Things. I, and he said, Y'all keep wanting to go back to the old ways. God started dealing with me over a year ago. He fixed and bringing a new crop. Y'all believe God's fixing and bringing a new crop? How many of y'all believe God's fixing and bringing a new crop? Well, if God's going to bring in a new crop, this old ministry ain't going to bring it in. It can't. This old ministry can't even contain what it's got. Oh, y'all just going to have to roll with me today. So God said, if I bring in a new crop, I'm bringing in a new ministry. I'm bringing in a new anointing. I'm bringing in something fresh. I'm bringing in something different. Oh, my God, can I just do a happy dance? (laughs) You'll see me do a happy dance. What? Hallelujah! That's my happy dance. I'm excited about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you better get up and be about the Father's business. I don't care if God called you 30 years ago. You better be finding what that call is. You better be finding out what that call is. See, God called me when I was just seven years old. When I was just seven years old, God called me. Because I was raised around miracles. I was raised around healing. We used to go to A.A. Allen's tent revivals on the Atlanta fairgrounds every summer, and I'd spend three and four and five weeks every night under A.A. Allen's tent, 15,000, 20,000 people a night, and see God work great miracles. My daddy pastored a little church right outside of Buford, Georgia. Started a little church down there. My daddy was a man of prayer and fasting, had great miracles. I mean, great miracles. One of the greatest miracles I've ever seen. I was about six years old, and there was a lady there that just had a brand new baby. She was holding that baby and she had a big old gordon in her throat. She says, Pad, I would be my fist. And the Spirit of God hit my daddy and he walked over and he just popped her right on the forehead and said, In the name of Jesus, But that baby went straight up in the air. That lady fell straight back, wasn't nobody behind her. Concrete floors, and her head hit that concrete, it went. And the lady ran over and caught the baby. But I'm gonna tell you something, about ten minutes that woman got up, that gorder was gone. That gorder was gone. See, that's what I was raised around. That's what fires my soul. I watched old Roberts one night in the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, take a uh, about a 9- or 10-year-old boy with polio. One side of his body smaller than the other. One leg, He's wearing that brace, about 6 inches short. And I seen Brother Roberts sit him down in that chair, and he looked at that mama. He said, well, you take that brace off of him. Do you believe God? She leaned over and unbuckled that brace. That man caught that leg and began to pray. And when he did, I watched that leg grow six plus inches that leg just grew out there and then it just didn't grow out it started filling out that whole one side of his body that arm smaller y'all know what polio done to people It just started filling out you started filling out You started filling out that's what I was raised on that's what God fed me oh, oh when I was young I, from seven years old I wanted to be I, an evangelist that could go around the world I heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead preach the multitudes and get them saved I, and live in a life of Jesus Christ, and I ain't give up yet. I ain't give up yet. That's been over 60 years ago. Probably, let's say, what? It's me, 64, so 57, 57 years ago. God put this in my spirit. And I've chased God for 45 years. I've chased Him, sister, for 45 years, and somewhere I'm going to lay hold on Him. Somewhere I'm going to lay hold on the God of this this Bible. I, I found him, and I'm, I'm going to lay hold on him. I, I'm chasing him. Hallelujah. And I'm going to get a hold of him. Because this world needs deliverance. And it troubles me that we can see the trouble in our world, and nobody has a burden to pray. It, does, it, it just tears my heart out of me. But yet people want God to move. They want God to bless them. They want God to heal them. They want God to give them a, a good life and save their families. and Nothing bad happen to their families, but they don't want to serve Him. They just want a good life. Sorry, it right, don't work that way. The blessings and promises of God belong to His seed. Did y'all not read where Paul said, Y'all was cut off and alienated from the promises of Israel? You ain't a believer. This don't belong to you. That's right. the reason I don't like people to Facebook me, text me, call me, and leave voicemails. So I need you to pray for this, and I need you to pray for that. And oh, we got a prayer chain going. We pray for this, and they're in the hospital, and they die. And, are they a believer? Had they ever walked with God? Is this happened to them because they're rebellious? They're away from God. They refuse to serve God. Don't just ask me to pray for somebody. Because the Spirit of God don't move me, I ain't doing it. Because healing is the children's bread, and it belongs to the children. It don't belong to the unbeliever. Why do you think God's going to raise somebody up as' an alcoholic, drug addict, a hell raiser, a whoremonger, a fornicator, just so they can go out there and keep sinning? He ain't going to do it. He ain't going to do it. And people get up and say, well, well Brother Medley, you're supposed to pray for folks. Ain't what my Bible says said, well, Jesus ministered to them all. Jesus is in a different situation. People didn't know the gospel. People never heard the gospel. When the apostles and all of them begin to go to the Gentiles and begin to the unbelievers, they didn't know the gospel. They ain't never had the gospel Yeah, God healed a lot of people in that day. Everybody Jesus touched, God healed them. All that came to Jesus, the Bible says, was healed. But they had never heard the gospel. There's a difference in knowing the gospel and refusing to serve God. Oh, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. It's all right. So don't just send me a prayer request and say, Will you pray for my third cousin on my fourth aunt's side twice removed from my sixth uncle? I'll probably tell you no. And don't come in the house of God and get my prayer line, you ain't living right and expect me to pray for you. I set a couple in Fort Payne down. I don't know how many of y'all in the service, but I set them down because they're married now and got a kid and they're going to church, trying to live right. When they got my prayer line, they are fornicating. Wouldn't serve God, wouldn't live right, wouldn't do right. And I told them, I said, don't get my prayer line. They got my prayer line. I said, "This is the last time I'm praying for you. You to get it right with God or don't you get my prayer line? Well, I, I come last night and your son prayed for me. I said, I ain't my son. I said, a big difference in ministry in me and the ministry of my son. I said, My son's still a young man, in the Lord. I said, He don't have the wisdom and understanding God's given me, and he sure ain't got the boldness. And I said, I'm telling you, get your heart right with God. Don't you get back my prayer line, you go get somebody else to pray for you. And they come to me in about a week and said, uh, We won't get married. He said, Will you marry us? I said, I will if you're gonna serve God. And they said, All right. So they got married and they've been they've had their battles, but they've been trying to serve God and come to church ever since. God's blessings don't belong to fornicators. They don't belong to adulterers, they don't belong to whoremongers. It's the children's bread. Amen. Y'all with me? Let me see if I can get any scriptures. Romans 12 going to the first verse. Man, if I told y'all I felt like I could preach all day, y'all just probably cringe. (laughs) I just about feel like I could preach all day. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Brother Michael, Harris in Fort Payne, I was talking to my son the other day. Asked him how Brother Michael's doing, how service is going. He said, good. He said, most of the time. Now, I can preach a good hour easy. Sometimes I can preach an hour 15, 20 minutes. But they, he said, most of the time, Brother Michael will preach hour in 45 minutes, two hours. I said, ooh. They thought I was long-winded. I said, hallelujah. I said, they shouldn't have complained while they had me about how long I preach sometimes. Now they got one that will go two hours on them. (laughs) I said, go, Brother Michael, go. Told y'all I felt good. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. And that ain't W-H-O-L-L-Y, that's H-O-L-Y. That's holy. That's clean. That's sanctified. That's righteous. He didn't say I want your spirit. He said I want your bodies. There's some people believe your spirit can lead clean, your body can go be living an ungodly life. I'm serious. There are people actually believe that because you got the Holy Ghost, your your spirit sanctified, but your body can go do whatever it wants to. I'm telling you, there's some spiritually messed up folks out there. The Lord said, here, I want your body. I want your body. Amen. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. Let me go ahead and read Scripture, and then I'm going to come back and break it down. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind... That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now what I'm preaching on today, if you'll look at your notes, is the renewing of the mind. Because if we don't get our minds renewed, we're going to stay in this carnal religion. Y'all with me? I didn't bring my notes out here. Let me go back and get my notes. Justin, run, get my notes right there. She'll be laying right there on my desk. I usually put them in the back of my Bible, but I didn't. Have you? You ain't passed them out yet? All right. Y'all take a good, deep breath, because we're fixing to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm fixing to rock the devil's boat. Now I'm fixing to sink his ship. He don't need his boat rocked. He needs his ship sunk. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Let's just sink his ship while we're at it. Let's Don't just rock the boat. Let's sink the ship. Hallelujah. We had a good Bible study Monday night, and then... Sister Kathy's been having Bible study at her house on Thursday night, and her mom and dad's been coming. She's been trying to help her mom and dad understand this kingdom. and So I went Thursday night, and I'm sorry you get me around the Word of God, get me cranked up, and I'm going I'm <laughs> good. It was good. Monday night was good, too. So, hallelujah. If you don't think we're going somewhere, look back where we've been all right now I got a bunch of definitions and I got scriptures underneath the definitions where I broke them down and uh, so in Romans 12 and 2 and be not conformed that word conform right there means to be fashioned like or made in the same pattern. So what the Lord is telling us right here, and be not made in the same pattern or fashion like this world. People use this to preach outward dress. That's all they use it for. That ain't what God's talking about. If you got the same fears, the same anxieties, the same doubts, the same anger, the same upsetness, if you made like this world, then you're conformed to this world. If you're full of the fears this world is full of, If you're full of worry and doubt, anxieties, upsetnesses, if God ain't never changed your spirit and you stay full of anger and bitterness, then you conform to this world. And that's what God's telling us right here. Do not be like this world. Because he's given us his word and the working of the spirit to get us out of this mindset. But I hate to say it. Ain't very many of us changed yet. And a lot of it's because what we put in our minds. You dwell on fear. You dwell on anxiety. You dwell on violence. It's going to get in your spirit. I was dealing with a man one time, and oh man, he's just so angry. Stayed just so angry all the time. And I got to praying and asking God about him. I said, God, that. That man don't really have an angry nature like that. But he was telling me, he said, Brother Metter, he said, I'll, I'll just I'll get angry at the drop of a hat. I'll be ready to fight. I'll be ready to hurt somebody. And so I got to praying for him, and the Lord told me to ask him, he said, what are you putting in your spirit? What are you putting in your spirit? And he come back and told me, he said, I like these action movies, all the shooting and martial arts. and He said, I like that, and he said, I watch a lot of them. I said, that is putting a spirit of anger and violence inside of you. And that's why you're reacting the way you are. You've got to be careful what you put in your spirit. You do. You've got to be careful. One thing that messed this generation up, and y'all going to think I'm crazy, is when they started showing these soap operas on TV. Because these soap operas started coming on TV. And women that wasn't working at that time started watching them things next thing you know man divorce went crazy in this country probably in two three years because all them soap operas was about was adultery lying stealing cheating marital infidelity and next thing you know some of y'all watched them (laughs) had a steady diet of I had my sister she worked my buddy and they come out with a VCR She'd turn that thing, she had that thing, time did come on when the first so of come came on, and it didn't cut off to the last, probably about three or four o'clock in the evening. And she'd go home at night, she'd rewind that thing, she'd sit and watch them things. And it was like a reality to her. That thing become a reality to people, and people got caught up in them, people's lives like they was real people. They did. Thought they were real people. And some of them went off the air. And I've had people ask, well, what's going to happen to their lives? (laughs) Thought they were that real. I'm serious. I'm serious. And I'm not criticizing. But see, it put the spirit of unfaithfulness, fornication, and adultery. It put the spirit of lying and cheating and stealing. And it started dividing families. It was the devil's first big tool to start dividing families in this country. And you destroy the family, you'll destroy the church. You destroy the family, the church is going to be destroyed. Because when I was raised, I was raised around a big chair in the living room that my mama gathered us kids around and taught us the Bible and prayed with us every evening. Because a lot of times my daddy was on the road I was taught prayer, I was taught the Word of God, I was taught the things of God. When I got sick, y'all may y'all may not believe me, but I didn't know what a doctor was Well, I took my physical for the United States Army in 1970 when I got out of high school for them to draft me to go to Vietnam. That's the only doctor I ever went to, because when we got sick, Mom and Daddy got us in the middle of the living room, got around us and went to prayer. I've seen measles, mumps, chicken pox, flu, pneumonia, broke bones, burns. God healed it all. Because we was a firm believer in the power of prayer. We was a firm believer in the healing God. You don't have that anymore. The very reason we're away from God is the very fabric of the family. And the very fabric of prayer in the family and religion in the home and teaching about Christ in the home, it's gone from us now. And this nation is away from God and we got a mindset now on everything out there in the world and not on God. And Paul was teaching here, he said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't act like this world, don't talk like this world, don't do like this world, don't think like this world. Don't be conformed to it but be ye therefore transformed do you know what that word transform means right there means morph it's like a metamorphosis you remember the lord spoke to you about the butterfly he spoke brother michael and sister daniel's at the same time spoke to my wife spoke brother michael spoke sister daniel's all about the butterfly because that butterfly goes in that cocoon spins that cocoon, I mean when that caterpillar spins that cocoon and gets in that cocoon, that caterpillar fights for its life. It fights for its life in that cocoon. And I don't know how long it stays in there. I don't remember. Do you remember? It's not a long time. But it fights. Warm that air conditioner up back there. Everybody's covering up. I don't want, I don't want everybody sitting here with their teeth chattering while I'm trying to preach. But that, that caterpillar fights for its life. And in that fight and in that struggle, that's what transforms it into that butterfly. So when God puts you in the fight for your life, quit questioning Him. Quit asking Him, why this and why that? And God, why you let me go through this? Why you let me experience this? Why am I facing this? Why am I facing that? My God, don't y'all ever read your Bible? How does the thing that's formed say that him that formed it? Why have thou made me thus? Quit questioning God about what God's putting you through and get in and serve God and don't become conformed to this world but let God morph you and change you by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing right there means new. Renovate look at your notes it's on the very first page renewing means to renovate or remodel I'm gonna get this scripture a little bit later it's over in Titus but I, I told somebody I think it's Tuesday night I got telling them how God was talking to me and, and I said there's a scripture in Titus three and five talks about the renewing of the Holy Ghost I said God fix and remodel y'all's Holy Ghost I said God fix and remodel your Holy Ghost You ever go get you a car and drive it 10, 12, 14 years? Then you feel like you need a different model? (laughs) Or you ever redo a room in your house? You ever remodel something? Tear the wall out, put paneling up, put different wallpaper, different paint. Tear a room out, put a bathroom in Well, what do you do? You renovate. You remodel. God said there's fixing to be a renewing or a remodeling or a renovation of the Holy Ghost. God's fixing to remodel your Holy Ghost because your Holy Ghost is operating in the old system. Your Holy Ghost has got a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Because I'm going to tell you what we have received as the Spirit of Christ, and we've received a measure of it. It's been fused together with a whole lot of man's doctrines. It's It's been fused together with a lot of man's traditions. It's been fused together with a lot of theology. And we got a lot of theology in us, we got a lot of things in us ain't right, and we're trying to operate in the spirit of Christ, and instead we keep going back and operating in traditions and doctrines of men, and God's fixing to remodel us. He's gonna do just what he said. He said, I'm fixing to bring in a new and a fresh and a different anointing. It can work different. Well, Brother matter how am I going to know? How do you know that what you got? And how do you know to operate in what you got now? The Lord had to teach you. Did he not? Did he not say in 1 John, what is it, 2 and 26 or whatever it is over there? He said, you don't need no man to teach you. He said, but the anointing. He wasn't talking about just teach you the word. He's talking about teach you how to operate in the gifts, teach you how to flow under the anointing, teach you how to walk in a difference in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God's bringing in something new. You hear me? He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renovation of your minds. Be changed in in your minds. Our minds are bound to carnality, and most of our thinking is on the things of this life tell me I'm wrong we're carnal minded I'm carnal minded I don't like it but I'm carnal minded don't hear what I said I don't like it I ain't happy with it do I have things God deals with me in the spirit yeah but still as a whole I wrestle with things of this life. And when I wrestle with things of this life and think on them and worry about them and fear them and feel them, that's carnal mind. And it's spiritual death. It's spiritual death. Is that what the word says? Yes. Be carnally minded is death. Yes. But be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. We need some life and we need some peace. Amen. We need some joy. For the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but is righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says in Romans 4, uh, 14? Uh, ain't that what it is 14 and 7 or 14 17 I can't remember now I think it's Romans fourteen seventeen. for the kingdom of God it ain't meat and drink it ain't what you can get in this life it ain't what you can gain it ain't what you can acquire in this life but it is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost we need to change this thing up here that we think with has got to be changed it's got to be renewed it's got to be renovated you've been around a lot of construction Man, you can go and take a house and strip it down, and remodel it inside and out, and it won't even look like the same house. It won't even be the same house. Now, don't tell me I know good and well some of y'all watch HGTV. Y'all look at me like that. You taking a rundown house? You can go in and gut it on the inside. Totally remodel it. New flooring, new walls, new paint. New flooring, new roof, new outside. Man, tear that old masonite paneling off that outside and put brick veneer on it. Thing looked like a brand new house. What happened? It got renovated. It got remodeled. And it looks brand new. It feels brand new. And you can act brand new in it. Tell me, we don't need uh, a renewing of the mind. Uh, the mind has got to be renewed because it's bound to carnality. Uh, it's bound to the things of this world. And whether you like it or not, we are conformed to this world. But God said, don't be. Uh, I don't want you fearing what you're going to eat. Uh, I don't want you fearing what you're going to put on. Uh, I don't want you fearing where you're going to sleep. Uh, I don't want you fearing how you're going to pay your bills. Uh, but I want you to seek first uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he said, then all these things that the Gentiles labor, desire, fight for, and seek to have, he said, I'll give them to you. Is that what the Word says? Matthew 6. That's what it says. We'll spend 40, 45, 50, 60, 70 hours a week to take care of this natural carnal man. That's why our spirit man's dying. That's why our spirit man's dying. We don't take care of our spirit man. Time you spend 8, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, working to sustain this natural man, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like studying the Word. You don't feel like. And that faith ain't there. Because that spiritual mind ain't there. And we can't see God doing what I just said. We can't see God providing. But I'm telling you, I'm coming to that place. I'm coming to that place. I'm fighting to come to that place. Because I hate the systems of this world. Every time I feel like I need to go out and try to generate the business or something just grabs hold to me and I say, God, I hate it. I can't stand it. I don't want it. I can't I ain't gonna do it. You're gonna have to tell me what I can't stand it, God. I can't stand getting my mind caught back up having to deal with people. Are y'all with me? And it's simply because of the call God's placed me in. I can't get my mind polluted in all this stuff in the world and then be able to speak a word like God spoke last week. I'm going to tell you something. That wasn't a yea, the Lord would say, thou are the apple of my eye prophecy. That was a solid I, word for about 20 minutes I, that spoke, I, I mean, the divine mind and will of God. It wasn't just going and laying hands on somebody and saying, yea, thou art my child, thou art the apple of my eye, I love you and I'm going to bless you and all that. No, God was speaking His Word and His will for His people to His people. And you can't speak like that and have your mind full of garbage, full of the systems and the things of this world. That's the reason there's got to be a change. There's got to be a change. And it ain't nothing we can do except present our bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God and say God here I am now change me I want this change I want this transformation I want this renewing I want this reviving I don't want to be conformed to this world I'm trying to escape the corruption and the lust and the evil that's in this world I'm trying to escape it you can escape this world through the gospel of Jesus Christ Bible says you can The Bible says you can. So we can escape the corruption and the pollution that's in this world. Does it not say that? Does it not say that we can escape this? Through the gospel. Through the power of the gospel we can escape this. But we've gotten too religious. Boy, I just don't feel like y'all with me today. We've gotten too religious. Let me tell you something. What we got, God gave us. God didn't give us this to lift ourselves up above anybody. He didn't give us this to make us feel like we're better than anybody. He didn't give us this to look down on anybody. He gave us this to have compassion on people. And he is equipping us to be able to help people and have compassion on people and not lift ourselves up like we got something on our own. No. The grace of God. The grace of God. You ever had anybody tell you you didn't have the love of God? I've had him tell me that. <laughs> I've had to tell my wife that. Better matter, you just mean. You don't have the love of God. I studied another night. The Lord book right in here. He said the love of God is an act of the Spirit. He said it don't come through natural. It don't come through karma. He said, the love of God is a working of my spirit. He said, for God is love. It's a spiritual work. And all these people running around hollering, you ain't got the love of God. They ain't got it either. They ain't got it neither. Because it's got to be a work of the spirit. Are y'all with me? I know I'm saying some crazy things. But you opted into it by coming to church here. (laughs) So bear with me. (laughs) Because God's trying to take us somewhere. Amen. God's trying to take us somewhere. Well, hallelujah. Okay. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I want you to go with me. I believe it's, yeah, 2 Corinthians, 4th chapter. And I'm going to read this one and move on. 16th verse. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Y'all see that? He's renewed day by day. And that word renewed there, that's what it means, is to renew. If you don't renew your spirit, man, every day, this is the reason prayer is so important, daily prayer. This is the reason study of the Word is so important, because this outward man, perishes. Y'all telling me y'all don't get up and have these days where you feel like God's forsook you? Don't feel like God loves you. Don't feel like God's going to move for you. And you'll, you'll, you'll just stop and look up and say, Lord, have you forgot where I'm at? Have you forgot who I am? Hey, Lord, I still live such and such an address in Ranger, Georgia. Here I am, God. Do I need to jump up and down and wave pom-poms? I'm right here, Lord. If you forgot who I am, we have them days. But you know why we have them? We don't renew this inward man every day. We get in a trial, we get in a fight, we get in a warfare, and we start losing faith. We start backing up, we start backing away from the Word of God. Next thing you know, the devil's condemning us. The devil's lying to us. The devil's got us on the ropes. The devil's got us beat down. And next thing you know, you're on the phone. Somebody pray for me. I'm just going through a trial. I need somebody to pray for me. Okay, I'll pray for you. You're praying for yourself. I don't know if my wife remembers, but I had a lady call me this back in the 80s, early 80s. I don't even know if she's still alive now or not. But I was having prayer meeting in her home probably about once every two or three weeks. And I'd go in, and I'd preach, and, man, a lot of time we'd have 15, 20 people. Right over where I put my tent up, right a little old town, a little old wide spot in the road called Rest Haven, right out of Buford, Georgia. That's where I met my wife. She'd come to my tent meeting. But anyhow, she called me and said, Brother matter, I need you to go pray about some things. I said, okay. And so I got down and started praying. And I told my wife, I said, we're just going to ride over there. I don't know if you remember this or not. But she lived in a mobile home. And I walked up on the porch, knocked on the door. She had her door open that glass screen. I looked in. She's sitting in front of the TV. The big plate of food had the TV on. Just going to town on whatever she was eating, and me over there on my knees crying out, seeking God for God to move for. I said, "I don't think so. If you're gonna call me and ask me to pray about something, you better go pray about it yourself. You better go pray about it yourself. Don't put your burden off on me. Expect me to move God for you. That's wrong. That's making me your pack mule you and your burden bearer. That's making me carry your burdens and you're sitting back, relaxing." And you're doing everything you want to do in the natural and got your attention on everything you want to do in the natural and you expecting me to carry your spiritual burdens. That's wrong. That's wrong. Is anybody with me? Yes. But Paul said, renew this inward man. Every day. Every day. Give him something to fight with. Y'all feed you natural man every day, don't you? God ain't got you on a fast. You feed your natural man every day, don't you? Two or three times a day sometimes. Feed him good a lot of times. So why would you not feed your spiritual man every day? Why would you not feed your spiritual man every day? Am I making sense? may not be feel-good sense, but it's common sense, spiritual common sense. God may be stepping on our toes today, but we can't keep going on like we're going because I'm going to tell you something, God fix and raise up brand new people. He's going to raise up brand new ministry. If we don't get up about the Father's business, you can find yourself on the outside looking in. I ain't going to spend 45 years seeking God and chasing after the ministry God wants me to have, have somebody possess my calling and take my office. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. But you try to get my office, you've got a fight on your hands. But I've offered it to several people. They told me they didn't want it. Spirit of God got on me one day in the church in Alabama and I slipped my shoes off. And I told any of them, I said, y'all won't, y'all won't walk in them shoes? There they are. Oh, no, Brother Miller. <laughs> we don't walk in them shoes. The power of God hit me one day and I slipped my shoes off and I let people put my shoes on. I remember Brother Donald put them on. The power of God hit him. He'd run up that center aisle, Sister Pat, and come back. I might have done it two or three times. But... I wear an eleven, brother Donald's about probably a nine, nine and a half, and he would run up down that aisle, buddy. And them shoes just flopping up down on his feet, and he's shouting, talking, and tongues and praising God because there was something in him, wonder. I mean, he slid them shoes on his feet, but in power of God hit him, and he took off running, run up and down that aisle, shouting and praising God, didn't he, sister Deborah? <laughs> he was all over the church, and them shoes just a flopping on his feet. <laughs> Boy, when you step in these shoes! There's anoint goes with it. There's anoint goes with it. There's a responsibility goes with it. There's a seriousness goes with it. Most people, they like the good feeling, but they don't want the responsibility. We're riding down the road. Y'all know, you go up by Walmart, go up, you remember how we used to go to Sister Porsche's. We're riding down that road. We didn't turn, go out like her house. We went straight across. Wouldn't we riding down that road in twenty twelve because that's when we're trying to get a church building up here because God spoke to me about LJ. God spoke to me about LJ so many times. So many times. I told Sister Susie she'd come to the church one time, It's four or five years ago. I said, You go back and tell them people in LJ, God's fixing to move up here, I'm fixing to bring this word up here. It seemed like every time I'd come, I'd hit a brick wall. Well, we're riding down that road and I heard the voice of the Lord and said and Paul said and besides this the care of all the churches come on me daily and I felt like 10,000 pounds just sat down on my shoulders and I mean I almost cried and I told my wife I said oh my God she said what I said I just felt like 10,000 pounds sat down on my shoulders and I said the Lord spoke to me and said besides this the care of all the churches daily it's just like a burden just hit me for people and churches everywhere I just, I just felt that weight and God spoke that scripture in my heart. God's looking for somebody that can face responsibility, God's looking for somebody that can be accountable. The anointing ain't just jerking and shouting and talking in tongues. I get so tired of every time somebody says they had a great move of God. And if I see a post on Facebook, they say, oh, man, we had a great service. Here's a clip. It ain't nothing but singing and shouting and talking in tongues. I said, my God, the Holy Ghost is more than just tongues. It's more than just good worship. It's more than just a good feeling. Yeah. It brings in responsibility. It brings in accountability. It brings in... Authority, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. It brings in leadership. Are you all with me? It's time to move beyond where the church has been for the last 40 years. Because all people done is sang, shout, and talked in tongues and prophesied a little here and there and had a healing here and there, and the church ain't grown any. Church ain't grown any, it ain't gone nowhere. And I'm not faulting the church and I'm not I'm necessarily faulting preachers but ain't nobody preaching nothing take them anywhere. I mean when I come in in the 50s saw those miracles then men preached faith 15-20 minutes. Allen, Roberts, Cole, Branham had great miracles but they preached faith about 15-20 minutes and they'd pray for people for 4 hours or longer because they had 10-12,000 people pray for. I heard old Roberts say on a tape I watched Debbie he said I tried to pray for everybody during the crusade he said but if I don't get to him he said the last service he said I'll tell everybody didn't pray before getting a prayer line I'll pray for every one of them he spent 10 hours laying hands on people in a Sunday service and said they had to carry him off the platform took him back to the motel and said he slept for 3 days he said but I tried to meet everybody's needs he had such a burden for the people uh, I mean, I liked all of it, but he was different. There's something different about that man. I can see it when he'd lay hands on people. He'd get excited by the Spirit of God about the miracle, about the healing, about the deliverance. He'd get excited about, well, there was something different in him. For a long time, there was something different in him in that miracle working power. There was something different in him. But he felt that responsibility for the people. Pray for them for 10 solid hours. Can you imagine? that that anointing and that power man I, I can preach hour and a half two hours and pray for people and then I'm 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 shot I used to stand on my platform when I was under my tents in my prayer ramp and it'd be summertime and hot and I'd pray for two or three hundred people and when I got out of that prayer line I'd be standing in a pool of sweat and there would be a dry stitch on my body and I I'd, I'd leave the pulpit just wrung out I mean just but you imagine doing that for 10 12 hours But see, he felt that need. He felt that responsibility. He felt that care and that compassion for the people. All preachers want to do now is preach. God's bringing forth a a Jesus ministry. We got to see the ministry of the Son of Man. We got to see the ministry of the Son of Man. But before we can see it, there's got to be a change in us. Are you all with me? Am I making sense what I'm trying to teach? I'm not trying to be long-winded. I'm trying to teach children go to Colossians the third chapter I believe is the next scripture I've got on here yeah Colossians the third chapter and I'm going to read the hang on let me get there I ain't quite there yet I got so many scriptures Mark I know I'm not going to get through all these I may just have to pick it up next week verse 8 of Colossians 3 but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. How are we going to put on the new man? There's got to be a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, Brother matter when the Spirit of Christ comes in, it brings a new man. Y'all tell me the working of the Spirit of Christ that you've seen somebody's nature change, that they got rid of anger and bitterness and strife and envy and jealousy. That wasn't ever taught. We got the Holy Ghost, we quit drinking, we quit dipping, we quit chewing. We get chasing women, smoking cigarettes. You can hear them testimonies. Got a man down there in the church in Alabama. Got Holy Ghost. Said he got the Holy Ghost four-something years ago. He'll tell you, man, God changed me. I quit chasing women. I quit smoking. I quit doing cussing. I quit doing this. And he said, man, I mean, God automatically changed me. But he still got a nasty spirit. Still full of anger. Still full of bitterness. Still full of jealousy and strife and division still stand up right in the middle of the church and argue with the preacher. Ain't nobody served God that many years No, that ain't out of order. But they got no contentious spirit. Bible talks about variance, which is contention. always want to prove yourself right. See, this is the kind of things the Holy Ghost I'm talking about will purge out of you. It will purge this out of you. Not just cigarettes and drugs and alcohol and dope and womanizing and whoremongering. Yeah, we need those things purged out of us. But we've got to be made a partaker of His divine nature. And you can't partake of His divine nature in this carnal nature. That's the reason Paul's talking here about the old man and the new man. We've never had the new man. We've never had the new man. That's the reason God fixes and do something new. Y'all with me? Okay. And have put on the new man, which is renewed or renovated or reformed in knowledge. See, God will give you a new knowledge of the Word. God will give you a new understanding. When I start reading these scriptures and God started giving them to me, I come up with a new understanding of the Word. I begin to see things new, Sister Deborah. I begin to see that I'm bound to carnality and i got to change. Is anybody seeing you're bound to carnality? Is anybody seeing that you're walking in deadness and not in the life of the Spirit? And that's not God's will. That's not God's mind. That's the reason he put this in here. And it put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, I'm going to go to... And that word image means likeness. We're supposed to be like Christ. And we ain't doing it. I don't know if we ain't putting out the effort, whether we ain't seen this, whether God just ain't give us the understanding of it. We're getting the understanding of it now. And it's time to fight for this. I'm going to go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and then I'll probably start closing it down for this week. I hear some of y'all's ain't your spiritual tummies growling. Ephesians 4. Start verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him. And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off. Concerning the former conversation the old man. Which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed or be remodeled or refashioned or renovated in the spirit of your mind. When I was praying this the other night, and I said, Lord, i got to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. You know what the Lord asked me? He said, what spirit's your mind of? What goes on in your mind? What do you concentrate on? What do you feed your mind? What do you feed your spirit? What, (laughs) What is the spirit of your mind? because if your spirit of the mind ain't the mind that's in Christ Jesus, you got to be renewed. you got to be renewed. Man, somebody smile. Y'all make me think i got beating y'all up today. Man, I'm excited about this word. You want me to pray God give you a cud like a cow? Y'all can chew it and digest it and chew it some more. (laughs) Well, at least they get it done. At least you don't chew it up and spit it out. (laughs) I told y'all I felt good today. And and you look this word, spirit of the mind, up. And this means mental disposition. So what is your mental disposition? If your mental disposition ain't the things of God, then you're going to worry, you're going to have fear, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have doubt. You're going to be conformed to this world. And you ain't supposed to be conformed to this world. God don't want you conformed to this world. He wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to walk in joy. He wants you to walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to walk in victory. Not always having to search your victory or get victory. Walk in victory. I walk in victory. Amen? I walk in victory. When the enemy comes, I don't have to go hunt for victory. I walk in victory. We was doing something the other day. I can't even remember what was doing I think Brother Justin was with us and, and we pulled in and was going to get a, a, a little bite of lunch and, and my wife told me, she said I can't get out of the car right now. I said, what's the matter? She said I don't know if he's nauseous, dizzy She said, she said I just can't, I can't even get out of the car. I said, y'all going in I just reached over and took her by the hand cursed that thing in the name of Jesus but boom, that was it. It was gone because of walking a walk in victory I walk in authority Am I where I want to be? No, it ain't where I was neither. Amen. I ain't where I was. Amen? Amen. God is wanting to transform us. He wanting to change us. He's wanting to renew us. Are y'all following with me? I said, Are you following with me, children? Yes. Okay, here we go. Yeah. That you put off concerning the former conversation or behavior. That word conversation there means behavior the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed or be renovated or remodeled in the spirit of your mind. Now here's a good one. And that she put on the new man which after God is created. Y'all see that? God can create you a new man. He ain't just going to remodel your mind. He fixing to create you a new man. I think I'm preaching myself today. I ain't getting no excitement out of y'all. Man, here I was about to kick the walls of the trailer out and run through the trailer, jumping everything in the trailer, and I was so excited and so stirred up. now y'all sitting there looking at me. I'm excited about this. To me, this is a word that will change God's people if they'll apply it to their lives. But it ain't going to come. Without you seeking him, it ain't gonna come without you searching for it. it. Ain't gonna come without you knocking and asking and seeking, telling God, I gotta be changed. I gotta have a new mind. I gotta have a new spirit. I gotta be renewed in the spirit of my mind. You gotta create something in me that I don't have. Amen. Look, children, I'm forty five years in the Lord. I've served God forty five years. I preached all over the world. I probably had uh, 200-something tent meetings where I preach 12, 14, 21 nights. i probably preached 10, 12, 15,000 services since I've started preaching, been on the mission field, sometimes 30, 45 days at a time. Preached a crowd 60, 70, 80, 100,000 a night, seen blind eyes, deaf ears, done tongues, seen 50, 60, 70,000 come to the Lord in one service. I've had experiences, but there's something there that's still missing, and I ain't been changed. It makes me mad. It makes me ready to chew the devil's head off. Fasted two or three times. I nearly killed myself. Ask her. She'll tell you. She thought a couple of times I'm going to die. I never worried about dying. Felt like God had spoke to me. I told the Lord one time. I said, I'm going to fast till you visit me. Well, I thought 40 days God visits you. I thought 45, 50 55, 60. We got up pushing over 60 days. I said, all right, God, now this thing getting serious. (laughs) But I was walking in all the knowledge I knew. I didn't know you weren't supposed to do them kind of things. But I told God, and I'm a man of my word. I said, you're going to do something for me? I ain't eating. I said, I don't care. Lord visited me. Changed me. That's what God really changed me. Put this miracle and deliverance in me. It's when he really changed me, brought me forth. But it almost cost me my life. That's the reason I know people got to have help. And preachers ain't doing what they need to do to help folks. And I don't want this church empty. I'm talking about spiritually empty. I don't want people lacking. I don't want people needing something in the spirit. I want to preach what you need and bring you forward in God. That's my responsibility. But your responsibility when I preach it is to get hold of it and come forward in it. Because you ain't going to stand before the Lord and say, my pastor didn't tell me. You ain't going to stand before the Lord and say, nobody taught me. Because I'm going to teach you. If you don't get a hold of it, that's your fault. But we're going to have the spiritual YouTube video on how to. <laughs> now if you do not know how to do something, you're going to go to your spiritual YouTube and you're going to play it. You're going to go to your Sermonette live stream archive. <laughs> you're going to pull it up on your computer screen. There, Brother Eric Mettery is telling you how to do it. And the Lord will say, see, you're without excuse. You're without excuse. I'm teaching you. He said, I'm going to create a new man in you. And he said, That new man's going to be created after me in righteousness and true holiness. Is that what it says? i not fixing to remodel y'all's Holy Ghost. Let me give you that scripture in Titus three and then I'm going to quit. Y'all hang with me. It won't take me over 30 minutes to expound on that one. Titus 3 and 5. Not by the works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That washing there means baptism or means to be washed clean. Regeneration means new life. But renewing means to renovate. So God fix and remodel your Holy Ghost. (laughs) I love it. Don't y'all love it? I see God fix and remodel y'all's Holy Ghost. Some of y'all running around here the same Holy Ghost you got saved with. I ain't going to drive no 1972 Holy Ghost. I want me a 2016. <laughs> Amen. I want my Holy Ghost remodeled. I want it regenerated. I want not come forward. I don't want to stay where I was. You know, you know some people, they ain't grown one bit from the time they got saved. Ain't grown a lick. Ain't been taught nothing. Ain't been taught nothing. Since preachers don't preach like this, they don't teach people. Don't teach them how to pray. Don't teach them how to study the Word. Don't teach them how to apply the Word to their life. Preachers won't get up there and preach feel good about themselves. You find very few preachers that really break the Word down and teach what the Word says. They may come up with some fantastic sermon that sounds good and makes you feel good. But to really get down and break the Word down word for word and get people to apply it to their lives, very few preachers. They don't care about the people. There may be seven, eight, ten of us here. But I care about y'all. Sister Susie will tell you, when we started in Fort Payne in 2000, she'd drive all the way down to Fort Payne on Friday night. Sometime there'll be three or four people there. Saturday night the same. But I'd preach like that church is full. Always have. Don't care about the crowd. I'm going to deliver my soul to whoever's there. Because one soul is just as important to me. Lord told me one time, He said, You don't worry about crowds. He said, You don't preach to crowds. He said, You preach to people. He said, You preach to one, just like you preach to a hundred and one or a thousand and one or ten thousand and one. He said, You don't preach to crowds. Preachers worry about their crowds. I ain't worried about the crowds. Man, if I can generate something in you to get you active, get you on fire, get you moving, get you stirred, get you up and about the father's business. I ain't worried about the crowd. I'm worried about setting your soul on fire. Get something in you. You're gonna go out there and deliver Hallelujah. by the power of God. You're gonna help somebody. You're gonna set them free. You're gonna make. It. You're gonna preach words. Gonna change their lives. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 You love Him today. Hallelujah. You appreciate this word. Let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for it, Father. I ask Lord that you bless it. Into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits. Give us understanding. Eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking to the church. I give you honor. God, I thank you for these people. Lord, give me somebody to teach. God, you fill this church up with hungry folks. I don't want religious folks, Lord. God, I don't care for alcoholics. I don't care for drug addicts. I don't care for dope addicts, whoremongers, adulterers. God, I'll preach the gospel of Christ to them. we'll get them saved. We'll get them washed. We'll get them cleaned. I just want some hungry people. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe, Father. We need some laborers to go out into this harvest. Let your name be honored, lifted up, praised, and glorified. In Jesus' name, hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. I appreciate Jesus. I know a lot of people <coughs> was out there to the yard sale and helped. The Lord told me because you and Sister Deborah put such effort in it, organized it, and you got all that stuff together. The Lord told me. He's going to bless all of you, but Lord told me there's a special blessing coming to y'all. Because they worked hard. Brother Don was up 3.30 Friday morning and drove and loaded an 18-wheeler with carpet and stuff and then drove over here and set up. And then they was back out there about 7 o'clock Saturday morning. Brother Justin helping him, Sister Deborah out there. I mean, getting out of bed 3.30. And I know Sister Pat, Sister Kathy come out. And I'm not admitting anybody, but the Lord told me because of that effort to help this church, and they done it to help the church. they done it to help the church. <coughs> and help us get some things done. And I appreciate that. But when I bowed my head to pray, the Lord told me, He going he gonna to bless. He's going to bless. And I believe that. Because they said they got to, almost everybody that come up, they got to hand out a flyer about the church and you know some people you hand them something like that they'll find a way to throw it down they said everybody took it with a good spirit had a good spirit talked good, acted good people going to find out we're here and the hungry going to start coming because the spirit of God's going to start drawing them you know what really amazes me People tell me, oh, Brother matter, I love you. The word and the anointing in you changed my life, healed me, delivered me, set me free. But you can't get them to lift one finger. Don't tell me you love me. It's kind of like they say, don't come put flyers on my grave. <laughs> do something now. <laughs> don't tell you, Don't tell me you love me. After the Lord took me on, do something help me now. Amen. I'm fixing to write some folks and tell them because there's folks told me brother matter if I can ever help you. I'm fixing to write them and say help me now. Send me an offering. Help me break through this financial barrier. Seems like since we come up here to fight for this church and fight to get this seem like the devil's hit us so hard financially. Every way we turn seem like the devil just but that's alright. I've been in these fights before. The devil ain't never won. He ain't gonna win this neither. I remember back in Right after me and my wife got married, I think it was 83. Lord, give me a brand new tent. I mean brand new. I went to that lady I was talking about. I went to her house, mobile home. And I preached there that night. had about 10, 12 people. If we even had that. And I prayed for a woman that just come out of the hospital. She'd been in traction for 30 days. Her back messed up. And I prayed for her and God healed her. She's a Baptist woman. power of God fell on her. And she started talking in tongues. I mean, got baptized, her, healed her, baptized in the Holy Ghost right there. And I was taking up an offering. I told him, I said, now, God told me he's going to give me a new tent. I said, because the one I got, I bought it used, and I about wore it out. It's done blowed down once. And we done sewed it up. And, and I said, so I'm raising money to buy my new tent. That lady stood up and said, how much you need? I said, for what? She said, to get the tent. I said, all of it? She said, yes, sir. I said, $6,600. She said, take me at my word. I'm going to pull it out of my savings. I'll have it for you in, I think, 60 days. said, you go ahead and order your tent. You go ahead and borrow the money if you have to. And I knew her. She's good for her word. And I left that lid bitty mobile home, 12 to 60 mobile home, that night with almost $7,000 put toward that new tent. So God's always moved. And he always will. Because I believe him. I believe him. But I need you to stand with his church and fight for it. We're going to break through. Amen. We're going to break through. And Brother Justin was talking to me the other day. He said, Brother, there's many people you preach to, and many people you know. He said, You just get everybody on your mailing list and send you $20 a month. I said, Yeah, but for some reason, I can't get them to do it. I didn't even a dollar a day. Everybody can save a dollar a day. I wouldn't care if it's $10 a month. But I can tell you this, and you mark my words. The Lord told me back in 96. He said, I'm going to give you Gideon's 300. I said, really? He said, yes, sir. He said, there's going to come a day in the ministry you're going to be under such a load. And you're going to have such a ministry. He said, I'm going to have 300 people going to give you $100 a month. Was that, $30,000 a month? That's what God said. He said, I'm going to give you Gideon's 300. That's what he called it. He said, I'm going to give you Gideon's 300. He said, you're going to have 300 people going to give you $100 a month. He said, because of the needs of the ministry. It's coming. You ain't going to hold this word back. You ain't going to bottle it up. You ain't going to hold it down. So... I'm asking you to do what you can do. If you know somebody you think can help us, I remember I was raising money for something years ago. I was still on the field. And your sister went next door and asked the man, live next door to your mom and daddy because you're with your mom and daddy. Then. And I think that man gave a $50 offering. He didn't even go to church. He knew me. He had respect for me because I told him I be an honest and upright person. And I think he gave her a $50 offering to help me buy a piece of equipment. So we can do something if we will. Amen. Do you love me? Y'all appreciate this word. Praise God. Stand on your feet and shout down the aisle with that thousand (laughs) dollars. Come on, obey the Lord. I appreciate being here today. Man, I've enjoyed this service. (laughs) They did. (laughs) Yeah. They tried to pull one on me the other day.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I pulled up yesterday, and y'all know we tried to dedicate all our one dollar bills to missions. Sister Kathy said, "Brother Miller, I got good news and bad news." I said, "What?" She said, "We made about eighteen hundred dollars, but sixteen hundred dollars of it's ones." I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "I guess we fixing go on a mission trip." Hallelujah. Have you done what's right in the eyes of the Lord? That's all I ask you. Do what's right in God's eyes. Okay. Do what's right in God's eyes. I remember I opened a meeting in Greenville, South Carolina in 88. I'd been there in 86. My God, I fought. Same lot, everything. But I went there in 88. I let a a, a brother up there open a meeting. He was there a week and drew about 40, 50 people. I opened up. I I come in. They found out I was coming. I had 200 people on the tent that night opened up and went 21 days and had four to five hundred people under and around the tent and I had to quit preaching. I had preached. (laughs) I'd been preaching for 30 days straight. I didn't have no more energy left. I preached that meeting 21 days and then preached 14 or 15 before I got there. And the first night in that meeting The Lord told me. I was receiving an offering. I said, Lord, you spoke to me. He said, there's somebody here. Lord, won't you give me $1,000 to help me preach this gospel? And I had a lady there. She come up and took an envelope. She's a real estate agent. She said, Brother Metter, she said, I ain't made a sale, and I don't know when. Three days. She come back with a check for $1,000. And she said, the thing about it is... Said I don't even know how this lady got my number. Said my number wasn't on the real estate sign. It was a closed listing, wasn't an open listing. I don't even know how this lady got my number, but she called me, and I called the agent that had it, and they said, "Well, go ahead and show it." Said we ain't been able to move it. Said I showed it, sold like that. She brought me a check for thousand dollars. She did. I got down, and turned in somersault and sawdust. I said, "Now y'all keep bringing thousand dollars." I said, "I'll turn somersaults all night." <laughs> Woo! But you love him. Amen. See, God always moves. Always. He'll always move. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't let you down. He's always going to move for you. All I ask you to do is do what's right and do your best. Amen. Y'all believe y'all to do that? Yes. Do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And do the best you can. He got a smile on you. Hallelujah. Let's ask God to bless this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the working of the Spirit. I thank you for the offering. God, I thank you for people that's getting behind us and fighting for us and fighting with us. God, to help us get this church established. Lord, I know what you told me about L.J. I know what you told me about Carter K. I know and believe there will be an act of God here. That's what I'm fighting for and what I'm holding on to. Lord, if I didn't believe it, I'd pack up and go home. But I believe in you, Jesus. I believe your word. I believe in this anointing. I believe in everything you tell me you're going to do. And I'm asking you, Lord, to bless these people. God, smile on them financially because they are fighting to help. Add to us, Lord. Give me people to teach that can go out and be effectual for your gospel and for your name, Jesus, to be glorified. I give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, dismiss, Brother Donald. Y'all give the Lord Brother Donald a good hand. I love appreciate y'all. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate you coming, sister. Hope you can get back and be with us.
3: Hallelujah. Ain't God good? Praise the Lord. Uh, it's all I could do to, uh, at the beginning of the service when Sister Kathy was speaking, once she got to talking about the who Hebrew children that was thrown in the fiery furnace when she asked that question how did Nebuchadnezzar recognize the fourth man and being the son of God but, but just as quick as you asked that question there was another question come to me and it's all I could do to keep from jumping up and saying Sit to Kathy I want to ask the question I said well I'll just save it for the, end of the, for the end of the service when you asked that question I got to thinking well when you said that The ones that threw him into the fire, that the fire was so hot and heated up that it killed him. My question was, it came to me, why did God allow him to get close enough to the fire to see the fourth man? Because he already said the heat was so heated up, so hot, that it killed the ones that threw him in. But you know, I wonder, I said, how? Why did God allow Nebuchadnezzar get close enough to see the fourth man? And the thought come to me, When the enemy comes at you to fight you, to bring you down, to destroy you, try to destroy you, the very ones that the devil works through, seem like they're always there to see how you are gonna react to what you're going through and how and what you're being tried with. And I wonder, why did God allow him get there to see the fourth man he was he was the cause of it to start with but then they're being thrown into the fire it's something we need to search out Kathy, because I don't know I mean you and sister Susie is is the uh, the real good teachers I mean I like to hear sister Susie teach and, and and what she brings out because every time she starts bringing out stuff in the word it just seemed like a, a nugget to me when she brings it out. And, and there's a lot in the Word we don't understand, and but God has gifted people in teaching and, and pulling what the Word goes. You can read it in a natural eye, and you don't see the things that you see that God uses for the teachers to teach and what they see. Last time, we don't see it until they see it. And, and it's really good. But... uh I was tired today, and I and I know the pastor noticed a lot of us was tired because he was trying to preach a word that he was about to tear the camper down Saturday morning because God was revealing something to him in the word, and but boy, it's been it's been a rough weekend, and I'm sorry, I, it has, and and if I kind of felt like I was drained, you know, I was, I was, you know. When you work late, a natural job, and, and I've done it, and my wife can tell you, come in and at 10:30, and and you done pulled 16, 17 hours and a year, just wore out. And I said, don't fix me much on my plate, cause I'm not gonna eat much, cause I gotta eat right quick, and I gotta get in the bed, cause I gotta get up at 4:30 and do this again, and go in there, and and you're sitting there, and you're eating, and you know. And you'll take another bite. And, and that's about the way I felt today, you know. And I'm sorry, and I apologize for it, but I know. But I've got the notes, and maybe we'll be a little bit more hungry next weekend uh, really to get into this word that God inspired and encouraged him and stirred him up so much Saturday morning when he sat up from one thirty to 4 o'clock in the morning just stirred up because what he was talking about. And, and I do understand what he said because... We can't crucify the flesh. It takes the Spirit of God to crucify that flesh. We can't do it. We can control it to a certain extent from prayer and fasting and seeking God and keeping our minds in the Word. But, but when we don't do those things, Sister Susan, when we don't keep our mind in the Word and, and, and try to walk after God daily, I mean, it's not daily. It's minute by minute, second by second, every minute of your life. If you pull yourself away from the thoughts of God, it'll always take the, the road toward flesh. It'll take the road toward flesh. But, uh, and another thing, I was kind of proud of myself yesterday. The first day of boat season, and I was at a yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> Any other time I'd have been there without cross, crossbow said, come on through, buddy, because I'm ready for you. But I was trying to do something, yes, you know, to, to help out, and and uh, and it didn't make me mad either. I mean, most time I, most time I said, "Don't you get in my territory?" Because this is something I love to do. You know, I love God, but I love my sport. You know, and uh, but it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me from doing it, and uh, and I tell you what, everybody was wonderful, and the ones that could be there helped out, and the ones that couldn't be there it's all right it's perfectly okay i mean it was perfectly fine but we went up there with a 53 foot trailer full of stuff sister susie well it wasn't all the way to the top but it was from the front to the back with carpets tramit tile, whole nine yards and and I knew, I was thinking when I went up, I said, man, whenever I get, when I get to work, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with this stuff. Because my boss man done loaned me the truck and the trailer to put that stuff in. And I'm tying up his equipment, this trailer with this stuff. But you know, when I got back to the warehouse last night, all I had in that trailer was just a little bit of trash. We got rid of it all. Carpet, carpet tile. Man come by and bought all my carpet tile and everything in one lump barrel. And we left the stuff set up to draw the crowd and we had to tell everybody that's sold, but we used it for a bait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out good and we really had fun. We really uh, we got tired there yesterday evening and wondered what we're gonna do with the yard sale stuff and and we was trying to sell it as a whole and we couldn't do that and I think I kind of got a little agitated at one time because I said, man, I am not going to put that stuff on that trailer, unload that stuff, get that card off, and put it back on there. If y'all want it, y'all can have it. And if I said anything out of the way, I'm sorry because that wasn't my intention by no means. And uh, and I know y'all want me to shut up because everybody's hungry. So, hallelujah. Ain't God good. Ain't God good. (laughs) hallelujah praise the lord let's just go to the lord in prayer and let's dismiss this service father we thank you lord for this day god we thank you for each and every one we love our brothers and sisters we love each and every one that's here god we're just i don't know i'm just looking for a good change i mean you know what Lord, lord i i need a change god i need a change lord God, I asked the people, yesterday When they was walking around the yard, I said, "Lord, I said, you see the our new congregation? Because the ones that we've seen is the one that God's going to send. Lord, we know they're out there. We know they're they're bound. Some of them's bound drugs, alcohol. Good people, but they're good people, but disbound. Lord, we God, we ask you, Lord, to just to make a way, God, that we get out there, God. If it's not this year." beginning the spring, Lord, I just ask the evangelists of this church, God, let's just get together, work together, pray together, seek you, be filled with something with a fire, a revival in our souls and our hearts, God, and get out there and burn these fields up this spring, Lord. Get prepared for it, Lord, this winter, Lord, this fall, God, and just get equipped, God, for the what the people needs, God. Whatever your will is, God. But I do, I feel, and I've seen tents going up in this area, Lord. Just going up and staying up, not not moving, just staying up, Lord, and just getting in there until, God, that you begin to move and save souls and set free people that's bound. God, that's what my heart's desire is, God. And I ask you, Lord, as we go. Over, Our way, Lord, God we ask you to bless, keep us safe. God keep everybody encouraged, for we ask you in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen.